0: Traveling and whatnot, family reunions. Good time for that. So just uh, remember all them. Safe travels. Um, Anybody with a special song this morning? Probably shouldn't even ask that because I couldn't get anybody to leave singing. (laughs) But anybody with a special song or a testimony? All right. If you got your Bibles, turn over to John chapter 15. With this being Memorial Day, we of course want to remember all those who have given their lives, all the veterans that are here. just Thank you all, anybody that's served or serving, I mean, even first responders, military. I just want to thank all of them this morning. All the freedoms that we have, the freedom to even be here because of all that. Um, so just really thankful for that. So with, with that in mind... Um, you guys know me, I'm a little different, so (laughs) I'm going to, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but just like keeping in your, your head here, just kind of remembering that's really what this morning's about. Just remembering. And I think it's good for us as a church to remember where we came from. So there's, it's, it's been several, actually during COVID, we hit our 60th anniversary. We weren't able to celebrate because all of us were at home, of course. But there was, during the 50th anniversary, and it's on our website if you have ever been out there, kind of our church history. I want to read through that this morning. I think it's important to know kind of where we as a church came from, just to to refresh that. So I'm going to read through a little bit here. Um, The Middle Urbana Missionary Baptist Church was first organized as a mission at 2767 May Street. It's in, in Limecrest, Springfield, Ohio, on December 31st, 1960. The Mother Church was the Springfield Missionary Baptist Church. Of the 20 charter members, many are now deceased, but while they are gone, their works live on. The first pastor was Reverend Miller Brooks, and the first clerk was James Cosby. I kind of figured it would be you, Roger, but... (laughs) There's an old proverb that says, a kite arises against the wind. Simply put, this means that you should never let adversity get you down. If viewed positively and used properly, hardship can serve to lift you up. This is especially true in the work of the Lord. It is indicated in the beginning the church was located at the end of a dead end street in the southeast end of Springfield. So, just a weird little story that I remember as a kid growing up at that weird little church. My mom and dad was actually the janitors, and Vienna's going to remember this. She's probably already know where I'm going here. We as kids would come when they would clean the church, and the floor was, you know, wood, so we would have queue races. You'd be laying on your back, going, seeing how fast you could go. You remember that, don't you, Dean? Come on. (laughs) What's wrong with you people? All right, sorry. That was fun. And then I think there was was something else we did. We can talk about that later. Since there were already five churches in the Limecrest at that time, many doubted that Peoples People's was the name, Peoples Missionary Baptist Church. Many doubted that Peoples could make any headway into the community. However, by the end of six or seven years, over half of the tenants was made up of people from Limecrest. The building was a 30 by 30 block structure. It is not clear from church minutes, but it appears the building was purchased for somewhere between $3,500 and $5,000. As you can imagine, it was so small that they had to go outside to change their
1: minds.
0: (laughs) It was pretty small. This was interesting, uh, just reading this, kind of thinking about this. There were no indoor restrooms in the facilities. No furnace, no water fountain, no air conditioning. Oh my goodness, how would we live? No Sunday school rooms and very limited parking. And I actually drove over that way not too terribly long ago, and it still looks almost identical, but there's still no parking. Uh, The church's front yard was a paved turnaround for the dead end street, and even though it was illegal, it became a major portion of the parking space. Any reasonable person would have to conclude that a successful ministry under these circumstances would be impossible. However, when the people have a mind to work, nothing is impossible with God. Within three years, the size of the building had been doubled, a basement had been constructed under the new addition, Sunday school rooms had been added, and a water fountain and restrooms were installed. Now, it wasn't like this. Many of you probably remember. The restrooms were actually behind here. So anytime during the service you had to go to the restroom, you had to come up front. So now it's easy. Uh, Let's see. Where do I leave off? Oh, here we go. Uh, The Springfield Missionary Baptist Church had also given them enough pews to accommodate the sanctuary. It finally looked like the rough road was going to be smoothed out. Unfortunately, that was not the case. The water was at all but undrinkable. The basement was always wet, and sometimes as much as half of it was full of water. I actually remember that. I remember having class down there and water underneath of you. Do you guys remember that? We, we, I think we went swimming down there a few times. <laughs> Each time the basement flooded, the furnace had to be repaired. A large tree limb fell through the roof, and a school bus backed into the corner of the church, causing the roof to be replaced. The windows developed cracks around them large enough to throw a cat through.
1: <laughs>
0: the new addition deleted even more the new addition deleted even more of the limited parking space and the city took even more space to install a sewer lift pump station. Furthermore, while the pews were given to us by Springfield Missionary Baptists were a, a godsend, they were homemade out of pine woods and soon developed into splinter factories. Hardly a Sunday passed without someone snagging a dress, running a pair of hose, or tearing a pair of pants on a protruding nail. These problems were only a few of the troubles that challenged peoples over a 25-year period. Again, it seemed reasonable to assume that all these problems would bring discouragement and even strife and contention among the members. Surprisingly, it seemed to bring the church closer together and even more determined to overcome their attitude was the Lord will provide. Almost from the beginning in 1961, there were several in the church who foresaw peoples purchasing land, relocating and building a new church. Two men even pictured the church on its present location. This was many years ago, and those men were Reverend Warren Foltz, who has now gone to be with the Lord, and Brother Gillis Cavins, which has also been gone to be with the Lord. In the fall of 1984, I'm not born anyone, am I? This is interesting, I think. It's good to remember this stuff, it really is, to know where we came from, to where this building came from, where the Christian Life Center came from. All that vision, it's just amazing. In the fall of 1984, based on attendance, it became apparent that the facility at May Street would soon become inadequate, and so talk began in earnest about relocating. Needless to say, everyone had mixed feelings about leaving a place where the Lord had blessed for 25 years. But by the fall of 1986, it was undeniable that something had to be done. Unofficially, several individuals began to check out leads on possible land purchases. But in every case, the location would not be acceptable or the cost was prohibited. In early 1987, we checked into this this land here, six acres, which the church now stands on, and found the price to be $42,000. In the spring of 1988, the price had been dropped to $36,000, and the church voted unanimously to purchase it. It was necessary to borrow $19,000, and the debt was retired within a year. On and on and on. Um, I don't want to bore you to that, just reading everything. So then we, we built the church, and then years later, the vision to build the, the Christian Life Center. And we, we have just been blessed. We really have over the years. Um, so then we started the Reach Out program. You know, we've talked about that many times, like as, as kids get older and graduate high school, they kind of disappear. So Brother Mike had the idea of, of a reach-out type program, and we've been doing that since 1993. Isn't that pretty amazing? Boys, have you been to about every one of them? Well, we came in 1998. 1998. So they've been here since 1998. That's awesome. Um, so I just want to read the the 20... 20 charter members' names, because I think that's important, too. And if, and if they could look back now, don't you think they would they would be shouting? The first pastor was Reverend Miller Brooks. And then of the 20, there's Annie Cavins, Wheeler Cavins, Bertha Cosby, James Cosby, Gobel Dean, Hazel Fultz, Reverend Warren Fultz, Pearl Hendrick, Silas Hendrick, Junior Hops, Yvonne Hopps, is it Hops or Hoppus? Hoppus? Hoppus. Bessie Longworth, Clemens Longworth, Clyde Longworth, Shirley Massengill, Nella Fay Owens, Essie Rourke, Lawrence Rourke, and Opal Smith. Those were the, the 20 charter members that, that started our church as People's Missionary Baptists. Was it 87 that we became mid our Or, sorry, it was 98, I think. 97 or 98 is when we became middle of our It was something to do with, there was already another people's name in Springfield, I believe. So we had to change the name. That's all in here, too. But Go check that out on the website. That's really cool to read some of that. So then, just thinking about this stuff, again, just remembering. There's a little plaque back there on the wall with all the pastors through the years. I've got them written down, too. Reverend Miller Brooks. Reverend Silas Hendricks, Reverend Warren Fultz, Reverend Jack Mason, Reverend Ray Gauley, Reverend Herman Martin, Reverend D. Everidge. A little special meeting there. Reverend Clayton Brooks. I had to tell you a story about Clayton. When, I was, when he started being a pastor... I was a little fat boy. (laughs) He always gave me a quarter. I don't know why I remember that. And then he took us us all out to this little pizza place. And I don't know why, I'm I'm not really proud to say this, but I ate most of the pizza. (laughs) And now now you know why I'm fat. So Reverend Clayton Brooks, Reverend James Wildman, Reverend Steve Steinmetz, Reverend Tony Average, and now you're stuck with this.
1: Let's remember
0: all them and all of that history because if none of that happened, if none of that vision was there, we wouldn't be here today. Think about all the sermons that were preached. Think about all the people that were saved. It was all worth it. It was all worth it. You know, we were talking this morning in Sunday school about traditions. Whoa! We were talking about just traditions. It's like, you know, we, if we keep the main thing the main thing, that's what I said. I'm like, as long as there's a man standing up here preaching, proclaiming Christ, it's all matters. It's all matters. And I really believe we'll have that. And now it's our turn, church. What's our vision for the next 20, 30, 40 years? Like Tony preached the legacy. We just need to remember all that. But I really, I don't think we'd be here today. They worked. They had a vision. They weren't afraid to come here and put work in In fact, they did a lot of the contracting themselves of this building. Don't you think we live in a time that everybody just kind of likes convenience? Nobody wants to go out and work anymore. Church, there's things to do. There's still people we need to reach. And again, it's not just my job or Tony's job or John's job or the deacon's job. It's all of our jobs to go reach the lost. To go trim the bushes. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. There's things for us to do. What's our vision for the future of this church? Surely there's, there's young ones that are coming up. They're being called to preach and teach. That are going to do a lot better than me. We just need to get back to work. I really believe that. And worshiping like we should be. Spreading his good news. All right. So John chapter 15. Sorry for the history lesson, but I just love that stuff. It's just important to remember. It really is. All right. So John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Again, just with Memorial Day and remembering where we came from, remembering all those who served for our freedoms. You you have Jesus here explaining to his disciples, his friends, really what he came to do. He came to die. He came to die for everyone. To take that, that price of sin away. To deliver us from that penalty of sin. flip over to Romans chapter 5 real quick. Romans chapter 5 verse 7 and 8. For one will die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. You know, just thinking and praying about that. It's like, Jesus came and died for us while we were still in our sin. You ever think about, I'm going to go die for one of my enemies? That's kind of what he's saying there. People don't do that. But that's what Jesus did. We were enemies of God. And he came and died to take all that sin away, that sin debt, that we couldn't pay. To reconcile us back to God. To reconcile us back. When you talk about freedom. Freedom as an American. Jesus gives us freedom from sin. And I feel like that's way more important. This world could go away today. could go tomorrow. Because of what Jesus did. If you have a part in that. You're going to live forever and eternity with him. He gives us freedom from sin. But even as enemies of God, this is what gets me all the time. We didn't deserve any of it. We didn't deserve his grace and mercy. But he did it anyway came and died in our place willingly to take away that sin of the world. Do you really get that sometimes? We were enemies of God. And He sent His Son to die for us. To fix that. It's it's amazing. Kind of thinking His life for our life. That we might be forgiven and reconciled with Him. Kind of like what John, Brother John was saying last week. Whosoever will. That salvation is available to anyone who accepts it. And it's our job as the church, as the body of Christ, as we've been preaching, to take that message of love out to the world. That message of hope and salvation. Don't you think it's good that we remember where we came from? That we remember what Jesus did for us? You know, this is the Memorial Day weekend when we're supposed to remember all those who served and and died, gave their lives for our freedoms. We should remember what Jesus did every day of our lives, not just one weekend. Right? Are you guys alive? He, he demonstrated the greatest love ever by coming and dying for all of us. And if you don't have that relationship with Him this morning, don't walk out that door. Because there's a day coming. There's a day coming. Those kids, a few weeks ago, we preached and preach and preach, you never know what's going to happen. You're not promised tomorrow. That proves it. You're not promised tomorrow. Make it right today. Can I get an amen? Make it right today. What are you waiting on? You know, I really feel like as bad as this has been, the Holy Spirit's talking to someone this morning. And they need to be saved. I really, really believe that. But all of us who have been saved, we also need to reflect back when we were saved. Because we didn't deserve it. You know, over in 1 John chapter 5, it talks about we can know that we have eternal life. Isn't that pretty awesome that we can know it? It's, a, it's awesome that we can know that we have eternal life. question is, do you? Do you know that you have eternal life or not? That's what you have to ask yourself this morning. Think about all that history. All that history. All the freedoms that we have. If you are living in sin, you don't have any freedoms. You are a, sin to, you're a slave to sin. I almost said that backwards. But Jesus takes all that away. He takes all that away. But you've got to have a relationship with Him. Have you accepted that? If you died today, where would you go? If you died today, where would you go? And it's not like you're going to go there for a day. It's permanently. If you do not have a a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to spend an eternity in hell, which was created for the devil and his, his servants. Not for us. God made a way. He made a way for us to go to heaven to be there eternally with Jesus. We just have to accept it. That we're bad people. That there was a separation between us and God, and Jesus filled that. We have to accept that. Sister Kim, would you just give a, a, couple, a verse or two of a song? I really, really feel like someone's here this morning that needs to be saved. There's not many people here today. It'd be a good day. You don't have to get up front of a hundred people. But if Jesus is, is not going to turn hard, and only you know that, why don't you come up here and pray with us. We'll pray with you. Accept him this morning before it's everlastingly too late. Because, like I said, there's a day coming when it is going to be too late. Make sure you are right. Make sure that you know you have a hope of eternal life. Make sure you know that you have a home in heaven. One of these days when you close your eyes in death here. As we all stand,
1: Mr. Kim. Don't let the opportunity pass this week.